All right, have a seat. Happy Easter. Oh, you guys can go. Let's give it up for the kids. So we just started bringing them in for singing. You want to know why? Because they can't do a thing until we're done anyway. Like, it's so loud down there. They're just waiting for us. And we're like, just bring them on up. So that's how that works. All right, so I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. So if you have a Bible uh, on your phone or on paper, whichever one works best for you. And then uh, we'll talk through this just for a few moments. All right, here we go. Going to read it in its entirety, verses 1 through 10, chapter 28. Now, after the Sabbath... Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Say the word earthquake. Earthquake. Just so you know what's coming. (laughs) For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, and I just love what Jesus says here, greetings. <laughs> like, you were dead. Sup, ladies? <laughs> That's the Greek. All right. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there you will see me. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this story. As we look into it just for a few moments today, we pray that you speak to us a new and a fresh word for our lives. In your name we pray, and everyone said? So this is the Easter story, at least one of them. There are four different retellings of the resurrection event in the Bible. Uh, The four resurrection accounts in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, These are the four, again, the retellings of the resurrection event of Jesus. Now, all four accounts are pretty similar at the core. Let's just run through this very quickly. There, was, there had been a death by crucifixion. That's pretty core. There was a tomb where Jesus had been buried. So there's that. Uh, there were experiences and reports of the tomb being empty. They're not all the same, but the reports are basically that the tomb was empty, but not in the sense that the body of Jesus had been like stolen and lifted from the tomb and propped up like some sort of ancient resurrection weekend at Bernie's kind of plot. (laughs) For those of you over 40, you're welcome. (laughs) Rather, the reports were that Jesus was alive and well and that he had beaten death. That's kind of the big core teaching there. The other, the fourth thing that's core to all four resurrection accounts is that the women, let's hear it for the women, were the first to see, they were the first to see and report the resurrected Jesus. They were the first sent ones to go back to the disciples and tell them what had happened. All four accounts are pretty much the same at the core, but there are some differences too. They have their own unique features. And in our story today from Matthew's account, it has to do with this description of an earthquake 
that takes place. That stands out as unique to Matthew's. His is the only account that includes this in the story that an earthquake shook the ground that the women uh, were standing on as they approached the tomb. So I want to explore that today in a little sermon called Easter Seismology. So that's what I want to do today, the resurrection earthquake. But what is an earthquake? Well, I know our church well enough to know that some of you, maybe many of you are from the West Coast, so you can explain this better than I can. I'm born and raised here, so uh, we don't have earthquakes. I know someone's going to call me and go, there is a fault line that goes under Macon, but uh, I have yet to feel it in my 44 years. I've only been in one earthquake, and it was in the mountains of the country of Panama. And we were there on a trip, and uh, there was a tremor, and it was weird because it felt like I was standing on a waterbed for a few seconds, and then it was over. But we were in the country, so nothing really happened. Things just shook around, the ground moved, and that was it. But when an earthquake happens in a densely populated area, things get shifted, they get moved around, they get upended, the landscape changes, right? The whole thing rearranges, and it's much more noticeable. After an earthquake, things are altered and changed. Now, this region of Jerusalem where our story takes place was prone to earthquakes and tremors from time to time. Now, I have seen, you have no idea, I have seen all the articles in these science journals that have worked hard to figure out if such an event really took place at this time, because we know the exact date, right, of the resurrection. Uh, We don't. So I have seen and read all these things trying to piece it together, but as you can imagine, there's hardly anything to go on. And the other resurrection accounts, they don't even mention it. You think that would be something they would mention? Like, during the resurrection, the earth shook, like it's a big deal. Now, one of the great things about Matthew's account, and this is why I love Matthew, is he has this ability to link the story of Jesus to these great symbols and images. He takes many of the historical events of Jesus, and he gives them meaning through language and image. The earthquake is a very biblical image. It's all through the Old Testament. It's found quite a bit there, always around pivotal events that altered reality for Israel. Most famously, right before Moses gives the Ten Commandments, there's an earthquake at Mount Sinai. Was there? Probably not. But it's the writer saying, this is a seismic event event for the people of Israel. And the mountain shook just before Moses gave the new law to the people of Israel. And so Matthew is saying something about the resurrection. Why would he care that there was an earthquake? It's more about the meaning of the resurrection. Now, I think all of us in the room, if you're from here, can remember what you were doing, what what we were doing when we heard about the I-85 bridge falling to the ground. Right? Do you remember this day? If you don't, I don't know what's going on. But... (laughs) All of you can remember that. When I saw the images, I, there were three things that went through my mind. Maybe some of these connected with you. The first one was, I was amazed nobody was hurt. Yeah. That was amazing because there are images of cars sitting on that thing with smoke just bellowing up, you know, like moments. And so I was amazed nobody was hurt. Secondly, I also thought, like you did too, this changes everything. Yeah. <laughs> Because our city has an amazing road system. (laughs) 
there's no way to get in and out of our city without going over or under a major road. It's brilliant. <laughs> right? And I was like, this is going to change everything. I live on the north side of the city, and so well, the first, really the first thing I did was I sat down and put an email together to the north side parish and said, hey, let's just start talking about how we're going to get to church because, like, I don't even, it's not like we're far, but that <laughs> is a big deal. And so we started, like, some of the suggestions were great. I think you said helicopter. That was brilliant. Uh, but there were all these, like, ideas about how we, and so we're sort of, every Sunday now, we trade routes. How'd you get here? How'd you get here? I tried Moore's Mill. That didn't work. And this, that, and the other. But the main thing that I thought, that you thought, hopefully you thought, is that, wow, this is really going to drastically change the way we live. This will go down in Atlanta history as one of the most significant events in terms of how it changed and altered our daily commute, but our daily reality. How we were forced to live in new ways. I, I was on the train the other day, and I'm telling you, I've been a martyr rider for a long time. It's full, guys. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. People were just on that thing. And I wanted to take a picture, but I always felt like it was weird. People were taking pictures of people on the train, and I was one of them. But, uh, but I just felt like, wow, burned bridges actually do bring people together. So, <laughs> <laughs> Back to the resurrection. <laughs> it doesn't seem that Matthew is talking about a historical earthquake. It seems he's making a statement about how the resurrection has upended creation. Go with me with the, on this. The women were going to the tomb to take care of the body. That's an ancient custom that was normal. They were not going to the tomb suspecting that Jesus had risen and escaped. That was not in the cards for the women or the disciples or any first century Jew. That was not the expected result. So this resurrection was a great surprise. And Matthew says it was an earthquake-like event. Think about the ancient world. Think about the 1980s even. Natural disasters weren't all that predictable. And uh, were often events that caught people off guard. And so in this retelling, we've been brought into this image of a whole new landscape because of the resurrection. That's what an earthquake does. It changes the landscape of our reality. Fallen bridges reroute our lives. It changes how we live. The world for these women and for the disciples was no longer the same. Matthew is saying Easter is an earthquake. Easter has shaken the earth. Easter has upended everything. And in light of this, everything has changed. Amen? That's what Matthew is saying. Easter has shook the foundations of the earth. Now, the early Christians believed that the resurrected Jesus was not just the source of hope in the face of death. It is that. Paul will say a great bit about that in his writings in the New Testament. But they didn't believe that it was just the source of hope in the face of death. But it was the source of hope for life in the here and now. Amen? The resurrection was not just the prize at the end of the race, but it was a way of running the race itself. The resurrection uh, is how we interact with the world now, not later. The hope of the future resurrection is the same hope that we have for the present life. And if our faith in Jesus has not altered our current reality, 
if it hasn't shaken the way we see the landscape of our lives, and our only hope is in the future promise of life beyond the grave, great, that will do. But we have not been shaken by Easter's earthquake. We've just deposited some hope in an event. And Matthew wants to remind us that Easter has changed everything about how we live now as well. The first Christians lived as a resurrection people, a community of people bent on reminding the world and each other of its good and glorious resurrected future. And they did that by how they lived their lives in the here and now. That you and I, like people should have a glimpse of where God is taking history just in the ways that we live. So in conclusion, a couple things. We need Easter. Amen? Amen. We need Easter to shape the foundations of our lives and to rearrange how we see the world in front of us. The earthquake in Matthew's account is the image of the resurrection upending everything. The whole landscape has been altered and the women and eventually the world, you and me, are staring at a whole new reality. We need that. We need Easter to remind us that tomorrow doesn't have to be a repeat of today. Amen? That's the resurrection hope. That it's just not the same terrible, ongoing drudgery. That tomorrow doesn't have to be a repeat of today. We need Easter to remind us of that. We need, I'm preaching, we need Easter <laughs> to inspire us towards greater good for our neighbors, our co-workers, our family, and even our church. We need Easter to dislodge us from the traps of cynicism and satire that only live on the side of hopelessness. And we need Easter to announce the life that comes from death. That whatever it is in our lives that feels like it's out of breath, out of time, out of hope, that God can and will be about renewal and repair. Amen? Amen. On Easter, our job as the church is to remember the event, but then to reenact the event in life. Let me close with this quote from uh, N.T. Wright. Left to ourselves, we lapse into a kind of collusion with entropy. Acquiescing, these are big terms, people. Welcome to Easter. <laughs> Acquiescing in the general belief that things may be getting worse, but that there's nothing much that we can do about them. And I love this line. And we are what? Wrong. Our task in the present is to live as resurrection people in between Easter and the final day with our Christian life, corporate and individual, in both worship and mission as a sign of the first and a foretaste of the second. Amen. Amen. Be an Easter people. Be a resurrected community. Let's pray, and then we will do what we do every week and celebrate the communion together. This reminder, this earthly bread and wine that reminds us of Christ's real life, his real death, his resurrection, and the hope of his return. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this challenge that we are to leave this building today with hope and to share that uh, with those in the worlds we all inhabit. God, help us to see how Easter has upended creation, reality, 
life, death, hope. Maybe for a couple of days it feels unstable because we're seeing it. Help us to to see how much you've done in this one event. That there is hope beyond the grave, but that there is hope in this life too. Help us to be a people who share that with our lives. In your name that we pray, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. First Corinthians.